0: I um, was handed a note from one of our elderly ladies in my first church as a lead pastor. And this is what the note said. I recently came upon a note copied in the fair hand of a grandmother in a trunk in an attic. The author is unknown, but isn't it interesting that despite all our modern technology, some things never change. One of these days I must go shopping, she writes. I am completely out of self-respect. And I want to exchange the self-righteousness I picked up the other day for humility. They say it is cheaper and wears well. I want to look at some tolerance, which is being used for wraps this season. Someone showed me some pretty samples of peace. We're a little low on that never seem to have enough, and I must try to match some patience that my neighbor wears. It's very becoming to her and might look nice on me. I want to try on the garment of long-suffering, they are showing. I never wanted to wear it but feel myself coming to it now, and I must not forget to have my sense of appreciation mended and look for some everyday goodness. It is surprising how quickly my stock of that is exhausted. I was supposed to show you that. Uh, Maria, yeah, if you'll get my... I, had all, I did it again, didn't I? I did it again. I had the whole thing right there for you to read along with me or see at least with me. We have a uh, genuine struggle to cast off the desires of the flesh. compounded by a, another struggle to walk by the Spirit. And so I'm going to look at both sides of this struggle, if you will, in order to find the solid ground that Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to be in a single passage of scripture or chapter of scripture today, Galatians 5. And amazingly, the struggle for positive Christian character has never changed. That's why I read that note to you. Undoubtedly its expression in today's society is needed more than ever to contrast the brazenness and lack of morals in our world. I'm not sure if uh, how it is for you, but some days I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe, just listening to the news, watching some videos or YouTube and some of the things that people are trying to convey today, the confusion on gender identity, I think I must be living in an alternate universe. You get, you'll get young people in in their early 20s yelling at people saying, "You don't have the right to tell me what my gender is." I'm sorry, but I can see. I have an eyes, I have eyes, ears and a mind. I know what you look like. And and so it it feels like we're living in an alternate universe when you can decide your gender and that kind of confusion is from the pit of hell designed to destroy people so now more than ever we must know how to walk by the spirit and I know when I say that there are some of you very spiritual people that are listening to that And you're thinking that I mean, well, when you go to the grocery store, I'm walking in the spirit and God will tell me to go over to this aisle or find this product or meet this person. And and I want you to have that kind of close spiritual walk with the Lord, but that's not really what I'm referring to when I say walk by the spirit. I'm saying walk by the spirit as opposed to walking in the flesh. And I'm going to Galatians chapter five, beginning at verse seven this time. This is the New Living Translation. You were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Um, I remind you that this is the New Testament. Did you hear those last words, the last line? God will judge that person, whoever he is who has been confusing you. You're going to find out that Paul is ticked off now. Um, If you don't think he was ticked off, let me throw verse 12 at you. Here's what Paul wrote. I just wish those that, those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Paul's saying right back at you. This is that point, so you parents, I, you've been there. You understand this. You finally sat down. After you put the kids to bed it's 30 minutes later you're just now relaxing perhaps a a a warm cup of tea and you're sitting with your spouse things have kind of died died down and suddenly you hear a followed by and then there's some yelling mumbled voices in there and you now Get up from your comfortable place. You've just, you had the you know, nice throw over you. You're relaxing. You just got the TV channel set to the right spot and you're just relaxing. But it all suddenly changed. You go over to the stairwell. Don't make me come up there. And you hear, and now somebody's crying. Now you have to go up there. This is what Paul is doing right now. He's irritated. He's angry at what has happened because he loved these people. He was a part of this church that got founded in Galatia. And now troublemakers, he calls them, are bringing in a false teaching. There were people who had another agenda. You ever met somebody that had another agenda? Three of you? are there more of you that have met somebody that had a different agenda than you had they were looking for a piece of the pie a platform if you will paul was so adept at apologetics or apologetics doesn't mean apologizing for the gospel of jesus christ it's just uh uh, providing a defense for the gospel paul had a good understanding of the gospel and he was so good at going to churches and 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 defending the faith he fought fought hard to maintain the truth so Paul must bring correction to a false teaching that was going about here's the false teaching I can sum it up real easy in one sentence there were those who wanted new believers if you were male to get circumcised And so all of you men ought to be saying, praise the Lord. Paul got this teaching through. If, of course, you've not been circumcised. If you want to come into the game, wouldn't that be a great altar call? (laughs) Along with standing up and coming forward, in a few days, we won't make it happen today. That's what they were teaching. Paul begins this chapter, however, on a positive note. I'll give you chapter 5, verse 1. It reads this way: So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. You see? He's starting on a positive note. I'm taking you back now. I started you in the middle. I'm going to take you back for a little bit, and then I'm going to bring you around to the end eventually. But but he he goes back to the start and says, make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You hear what he's saying? Slavery to the law. Paul knew, to, knew what he was talking about because he knew what the religious leaders taught. He had been raised in those same schools. He had been taught in those same veins. It's hard to break free of religious practices. Um, I, I'll explain one to you. Uh, I still struggle I need to take a quick view. Okay, we're safe. (laughs) I still struggle if a man wears a hat inside the sanctuary. I don't care if it's a baseball cap turned around sideways, backwards, upside down, don't care. Hat on a man's hand in the sanctuary bothers me. I'm just telling you but I understand it's a religious practice. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. (laughs) Just didn't take a good scan. It wasn't a pure scan. Now you know me in a way that you did not know me before this moment. It just bugs me. And now it has a biblical base, Uh, guys were, so not that it was ladies that were supposed to have a covering in the sanctuary in the church when they worship worshiping gone. So I don't, again, don't care if you turn it sideways or what you do, how you do it. It bugs me, bothers me. I grew up in Florida and, uh, down there when, when I got saved, it was a, it was a little church and most of those guys wore cowboy hats. And so they come in the door, there was a hat rack, put the hat on the rack, not on your head when you walked in the sanctuary. It's a religious practice, though. I understand that. And and while I'm still uncomfortable with it, and I don't like it, but I understand it for what it is, it's a religious practice. And that's what these people were struggling with. You see, because they were brought up in the law. Y'all remember Cornelius? If I say Cornelius, he was Roman, Italian, if you will. And, and uh, Peter was sent to the household of Cornelius And the scriptures tell us that Cornelius was a devout man he was a convert to Judaism and as a convert to Judaism even as an Italian or a Roman if you will he would have not been circumcised that was reserved for Israelites or the Jewish men they would be circumcised at eight days literally There's a reason for that is how God set it up. These are my people, they're separated unto me. And there's gonna be a difference between the males who are Jewish than everyone else. And so in order to come into Judaism, Cornelius was circumcised. And so they were carrying this over and this was happening in places with people. And they were teaching that if you knew Jesus or came to know Jesus, you needed to be circumcised if you were not circumcised, and the reality is, everyone that was not a Jew and was male was not circumcised. So, it was very hard for these religious people to go out uh, to let go of the practices of the law. The Orthodox groups at that time uh, had a, had put together a long list of practices of things that people had to do whether they were a Christian or not. Once they became a Christian, they were, there was a whole list of things. And so the Orthodox people were trying to carry that over into the Christianity. And they were having a hard time deciphering what made them different as a Christian versus a, a follower of God. Now, I know you think those are the same things, but I'm just using this as a representation for them in that time. As those who followed God, Yahweh, once they became believers, Paul's saying you're no longer a slave to the law. And he's talking about all of these religious practices that included when you washed your hands, how you washed your hands, where you washed your hands. You didn't touch dead things and touch other things. There was a whole list of things. And and, um, Paul had a real problem with this. They had a real problem with what they were doing. You will find that whenever Paul discovered someone messing with salvation based on religious rituals, it got him fired up. I'm serious. That's why he writes the way he wrote. And you heard verse 12, I wish they'd just go mutilate themselves. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? And so when you begin to attach something like this the way that they were doing Paul got he got upset he wanted to set the record straight these people were trying to make a community standard a biblical absolute now you can't see that it's the note that's underneath here and i apologize but hear what i'm saying these people were trying to make a community standard A biblical absolute the words you're looking for are standard and absolute there's a difference between a community standard and a biblical absolute the assemblies of God has established a community standard that goes like this we will not drink alcohol at any time or be found in the places where you drink alcohol that's the assemblies of God you're in an assembly of God church that's a community standard let me explain the difference. A biblical absolute sounds like this. Stealing is theft. It doesn't matter if you're stealing a five cent candy or a million dollars on stocks or somebody else's money. doesn't matter, five cents, million dollars, Stealing is a biblical absolute. It's wrong, doesn't matter if you're in Africa or the poorest regions of India, or if you're in uh, North America somewhere living in great wealth, a biblical absolute. You do not commit adultery. Doesn't matter what territory you're in, doesn't matter who you are, where you are, do not commit adultery. It's a biblical absolute, a community standard we don't drink alcohol because we choose not to drink alcohol. You can't call drinking alcohol a biblical absolute. You can't do it. You attach that to your salvation, that's wrong. It's wrong. It's do it's mangling the scriptures, but you can Teach it, preach it as a community standard. It's okay for the church to say we're not doing that because we've seen so many millions of lives messed up drinking alcohol. People in America don't know how to do a little of anything. We don't know how to do just a little. Just a little. It's okay if you do just a little. We don't know how to do that. Yeah, operating in moderation. And I could go down a lot of lanes with that. We're the fattest nation in the world because we don't know how to do a little of anything, right? I'm I'm saying it because I believe it. I practice it. So you're no more guilty than I am. So understand when I make that statement, I'm not trying to point you out and say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner but there's a difference between a community standard and a biblical absolute. And what these guys were doing were they were attaching salvation to circumcision. Paul says, that ain't right. Salvation is a spiritual act. It happens on a faith basis and it's not connected to what you do to your physical body. You can't get circumcised and suddenly you're saved. And Paul knew that's what would mess people up. And so he tells them to walk by the Spirit. And here's from verse 13 through 16 now. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. By the way, verse 16 is the lead verse in this message and this passage. And it's why it's titled, Walk by the Spirit. Hear it in the New King James. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. So what we've done is we've jumped into the middle of Paul giving his thoughts, driven by, of course, Holy Spirit, about living in the power of the Spirit. And this would be the equivalent of one of you saying all that to say this. You know you're in a conversation and you you've explained all of this other stuff and and paul gets to verse 16 all that to say this walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh so there's a connection to the rest of the chapter What Paul does is he says your strength for this is not in rules and regulations, rather in the God of those regulations. He's trying to keep them focused. Get your eyes on God, not the rules and regulations. If you really love God, listen, it's like loving a person. the, the, The Bible, in the strictest sense, you ought not to have to be taught about the wrongs of adultery. Because if you really love your spouse, you're not going to be spreading that love somewhere else. You're committed to your spouse. You're you're totally engaged with your spouse. They are the ones who deserve and receive your unconditional love. It's directed towards them and not other things or certainly not other people. It's not about the rules. It's not this ring that I wear that keeps me devoted to Pastor Amy. It's my love for her. I made a commitment before God and to her. She's the only one that gets that kind of love from me and Paul's trying to direct us the same way it's not about the rules and regulations if you will walk in him you won't desire to fulfill the things that are fleshly he's speaking to maintaining a lifestyle where god is at the center god's the centerpiece you know what matthew 633 says seek ye first the king james says it that way seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness or his right ways And all these things will be taken care of or be added to you. All the other things that surround your life. If you'll seek God first, if you'll put God first, He'll give you the ability to walk in His ways. Let me state it to you another way. Holy Spirit gave me this. If on the front end, you will give God the first of everything, on the back end, you'll be able to walk this out. give God the first part of every day. Seriously, don't try to do your day without giving God the first part of it. Yeah, at the very least, take five minutes before you roll out of bed and start in your day. And if that means you have to get up five minutes earlier and not keep hitting the snooze button, then get up. Give him those first minutes dedicate your day before your foot hits the ground Lord I'm yours and I don't know what today holds for me but I want you to know Lord I'm yours if you will guide my steps I will follow you I will listen I want to know your voice God help me not to chase things that you don't want me chasing given the first part of every day given the first day of every week all of you sitting here right now should have said, amen. I'm with you, preacher. I'm here. Give him the first day of every week. Give him the first part of your tithes. Don't give him the la- leftovers. Give him, give him the first fruits. Give him the, the first, the best of what you have. Don't wait to, to oh, well, I'll pay God. I'll do my part with God when I'm done taking care of my stuff. You've got it backwards. Seek first the kingdom of God and his right ways and all these things will be taken care of. It points you in the direction of God, God's provision. You're trusting God rather than your ability. You can't make it work for you, but God can. God has resources you don't know about coming from places you've never been made aware of. If you will trust Him, you can watch Him take care of the stuff. There are, there are 80 people standing in this room right now that have walked this out. Raise your hand if God has done that in your life. Raise it up. Go ahead. Give testimony. God is good. He makes a way where there seems no way. If you'll put Him first, He'll take care of you. That doesn't mean... I'm not trying to tell you life will be easy because you have God in it. I'm not trying to tell you that. My goodness, Paul's writing here. He knew a little bit about a rough life. But if on the front end you will build your spiritual life and being up, on the back end you won't chase the things that the flesh craves. How many of y'all know you have cravings of your flesh? How many of you are having some of them right now? (laughs) You should be honest with me. If I were to get near you, some of your stomachs would be growling right now. You're no longer bound to the external rules, Paul's telling them. But he he gives all of this. He has to extend a warning. Make sure your actions are based in love. It's a way of keeping you from acting selfishly. When you act in love, you will not act out of selfish ambition drives or desires love-based actions are never self-centered they're others oriented all of us all of this is a positive platform from which paul now speaks He's, he's he's steering you towards loving god with all of your heart and if you love god with all of your heart. You'll know not to break his desires or plans. You think that I just want to have this fun and, you know, everybody's got to understand it. You young people, you've been to, told things like, yeah, well, you're going to sow your wild oats. You can sow your wild oats if you want to, and you can mess your wildlife up. <laughs> you can do something at 18 years old that you'll be, will be chasing you when you're 68. You be a granddad and still be living down something you did when you were 18 years old. The way of God is to keep you off a path that leads to destruction. The plan of God is to get you to heaven. And if these preacher's words offend you a little bit, but get you on that path where you recognize that God has a good plan for you. And the only one trying to destroy your life is Satan. God's not trying to keep you from having fun. Have you ever been around a people, a bunch of freed Christians when they're eating food and having a, a good time? Have you ever been around them? We are often considered the loudest tables in the restaurant. And we don't need alcohol to get us there. Or drugs. Because we're having fun, we're not encumbered by all of the mess. We were the loudest group over at Borderline yesterday morning. The loudest group in there. People turn around looking at us like, what do they got going over there? This morning, they ain't drinking yet. They don't even serve alcohol in this place. The difference is we're called to a higher plane. Uh, Let's look at verses 17 and 18 now. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Do You see what he's doing now? They're trying to tie in circumcision. Paul's saying, that's not what gets you right with God. What will get you right with God is loving God with all of your being. You don't need the law to keep you in line. How many of you people drive the speed limit all of the time? Raise your hands quickly. Bob, you drive under the speed limit. I know how you drive, bro. I've been behind you. I've been waiting on you at times. great. God bless you. God loves you. But most of us need those signs, don't we? Most of of us need those signs. Because it keeps you in line. Well, listen, if you really love God, you don't have to worry about longing for the things that you're, the passions of the flesh. Y'all remember <laughs> how many of you remember when you used to have to turn a dial on a radio to get it to, a, to tune in, get it to tune in, right? You remember how, how they had to do, before digital. Digital has made it way too easy. But y'all remember, how many of you remember what a transistor radio is? They used to make radios that were about the size of this packet right here. Before Walkmans and stuff like that, it was just a radio. And you didn't have an earphone. If you had an earphone, it was one for one side. You didn't have stereo because they didn't have stereo in them. And, and, And you had a little dial on the side that you would turn. Some of them actually had numbers on the dial and you could... And you'd try to get it right and it would go. And then you'd set it down and walk away and then it'd start going <intelligence> again. And you'd come back and you adjust it again. After you did that 14 times, you'd finally have it figured out and you'd set it up next to the window over in the corner because that's where the station was coming from and the radio, the FM station, and the signal was coming, or as AM back in the day, back in the day. Why did I tell you all of that? Because Paul here is telling you how to get tuned in to the Lord. Get you on that track, that path. And you you get tuned in right with him. You get it dialed in just right. Oh, he has a digital copy. He has a digital copy. So do you. It's his word. And you can have it all the time, everywhere you want to go. And if you'll spend your time in his word, you'll get to know him and his ways. And all of those fleshly desires start to diminish. Paul lived in the real world. He understands the passions or understood the passions of our flesh. Unfortunately, all of us are familiar with this battle, aren't we? The victory though is won when you choose to yield more of your life to Christ. Now, get this out of the department of just about like eating food. You have to eat to live. So that's, but where we come into problems, this just like these old, these guys, where we come into problems is we just don't know how to stop. Or eat all right things. Or at least in moderation, eat the right things. We, we tend to, uh, Listen, folks, I have a fetish. I love chocolate chip cookies. I don't think they're good. I think they are amazing. (laughs) And I can even take those old nasty ones, the no-name brands in the grocery store, and if you put them in front of me and a glass of milk, we are good to go. I don't even need the Oreos. I can do it with chocolate chips just fine. You can throw in macadamia nuts, you can throw in pecans, but the chips, chocolate, you got to have those. But I'm an equal opportunity cookie lover. You hear me describing for you Did I I'll make Pastor McKay's confession for her. She did this years ago. She doesn't have this strong struggle anymore. God has delivered her. God has delivered her, seriously. But she could eat a thing of Oreos. She could, she could do a whole package of Oreos at a setting. Oh, oh just, just a sleeve, just the 12 inch sleeve, but just a sleeve, okay. You get, my, you get my point yeah. that we, Paul's trying to help us get on the path and stay on that path. And here, let me take you to the next spot. He's, he's gonna make it real. How many of you know the struggle is real? Paul's getting real. So this is PG 13 right now. So some of y'all love bringing your kids in here. God bless you. Here it is. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, Somebody, do me the favor, count every one of them for me, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. 15? I got 17 going once. I've got 15 over here. Do we have a 16? 16 God? 16. 17, 17. evangelist Nick said it was 17. He's sitting on the front row. (laughs) I'll come back to that. It's hard to believe that he's writing to a church now, isn't it? When you go back over that list, isn't it hard to believe he's writing to the church? So say it again with me, the struggle, the struggle is real. That Paul felt it necessary to mention these is somewhat shocking to our minds, isn't it? When you go through the list. However, it's the appropriate place to say this is a real world spiritual struggle. It's a real world spiritual struggle. I'd, I'd love to say that these problems don't exist in this church yeah, I said it that way, in this church, but I'd be lying to say it. Fact is, in my ministry life, including my time here, I've seen every single one of those 17 that was written. I've dealt with every single one of them in some shape or form in the ministry life right here at Central Assembly. Isn't that the struggle is real. And I know we, we'll get to it, but li- it is, it's less easily identifiable sins that catch most of us off guard though, isn't it? It's the less easily identifiable sins that catch most of us off Things like quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger and dissension. What did he just say? Outbursts of anger? That never happens to any of you. It's just the Baptists that have that problem, right? There's no quarreling that ever happens in an Assembly of God church. No dissension. We always, always agree. I had my eyes open my first my first business meeting I was 15 years old I sat in on the business meeting I was ready to crawl under the pew I was like do people act like this in church This is I was ducking behind the pew I'm like man I don't want none of those darts thrown at me It was at a business meeting of the church It's the Middle eight, I like to call them in this list. That's frequently found in the church. That those that middle eight. What am I talking about? Here we go. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. I'll stop there. Those are found in the church. They're easily identifiable, by the way, in others, but difficult to recognize in ourselves. Right? It's easy to see the stab in your neighbor's eye. We don't catch the log in our own eye. Funny, because it, it causes you to lose focus. It's because you're looking at their little sin. And maybe you don't struggle with that little sin. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're not quarrelsome. Maybe you've never struggled with jealousy in and around the church. But is there some envy in there? Possibly some quarreling? Mm. Let me bring it to a close. I call this what God has seeded it's the last, or these last two verses. It's not the last verses of the chapter. But I want you to catch this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Do you hear that word? The Holy Spirit produces. Come on, say, Jesus is a producer. Jesus is a producer. This is what He produces when you yield more of your life to Him. You're about to see what he does when you yield your life to him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Law can't fix this. Laws can't make this happen. Laws won't create this. Only the Holy Spirit in you will create this. A life fully yielded to Christ, this is what it produces. And that's what Paul's bringing us around to. He he keeps bringing us back to this central truth. If you will yield to the work of Holy Spirit in your life, this is the result. These are the character qualities of Christ. Did you get those down? I, I'll back it up for you. Yield and work. Those are the words you're writing in there. I know I moved quickly through that one. Y'all stop slowing me up. <laughs> Being led by the Spirit now. You're making me go in the flesh. <laughs> These are the character qualities of Christ love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience. King James uses those good old words, temperance. Just self-control. These fruits will be produced in your life in direct proportion to your intimacy with God. Now, even if you're not taking notes, write that down. Put Galatians 5.22 and 23, and then write down, these fruits will be produced in your life in direct proportion to your intimacy with God. You wanna know why you're having struggles with your flesh? Your intimacy with Christ is in a bad place. Your closeness with your Redeemer is not really there. I'm gonna let that sink in a little bit and explain to you with this next section why I call it what God has seeded. It's what God has planted. When you came to Christ, He put His Holy Spirit in you, thereby planting the seed from which his character qualities would grow in you. He planted seed When you came to Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Listen, those of you, you're still here this morning. You, you came forward, you asked Christ to come into your heart and into your life. He planted a seed in you. Even if it was a return for some of them. Seed was planted. And this is good soil. You meant business with God. He means business with you. Remember this? He is the vine and you are the branches. You get connected well to him and you'll be all right. You'll be able to walk this out. You'll be able to do this. Don't say you can't do it. I'm weak, preacher. I'm weak. It just seems like I'm, I'm weak. This isn't like your diet. We're not trusting in, in, in whatever it is, Noom or whatever, all the diet platforms and the pills and the this and the that. It's not like that. This is Jesus Christ, your Redeemer. He died, He shed His blood so that you could walk this out. He gives you the ability to do this. All He's asking is that you draw close to Him. Cling to him with all of your being and your struggles will diminish with the flesh and the passions of the flesh I don't mean they'll go away he's not going to suddenly make you unhuman that's not happening you're still human you you can't keep a temptation from coming your way that's not going to happen you live in the, the struggle is real. <laughs> you can't keep temptation away. But I was taught all the way back in, I think it's credited to Kenneth Hagin. But one of those old guys, could be Lester Somerall, one of those old preachers way back in the day said it this way. You cannot keep a bird from lighting on your head. But you can sure enough keep them from building a nest. And I'm not saying you would like to have a bird light on your head. We understand that. But you you can't keep them. If they want to touch you, they'll get to you. But you can sure enough keep them from building a nest there. This is what your walk with Christ is like. You you can, when the seed has been planted in you by His Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is in you. The third person of the Trinity is in you. And he gives you the ability with your connection to him to walk this out every day. Everything you need to produce the same fruit he did is now in you. After you're done writing it down, tell your neighbor, he's in you. Now say it this way, it's in you. That's referring to everything you need. The seed's in you. Holy Spirit is in you. Everything you need to produce the same fruit that Jesus produced while he walked on this earth as a man is in you. Reminds me of a message I preached not too long ago. It's time for you to do a fruit inspection. though. And guess what? You're not inspecting Tina's fruit. You're inspecting your own fruit. It's not your job to inspect somebody else's fruit. That's right. hey, yeah, it's visible. Outbursts of anger, typically we know when that happens, right? Just uh, just you know when that happens. Thank you, sister, for your support. And I'm preaching to everybody here, but apparently you're the only one paying attention right now. <laughs> Don't you generally know when somebody bursts out in anger? It's time for you to inspect the fruit of your life. And like I said, as an act in love, don't inspect everybody else's fruit. Concentrate on your own. Stop looking for the mess in their life. Just, just fix your own. Fix your own mess. That's what you need to do. Would you stand to your feet? Now, we already had an altar call in time for those who were not walking in faith. Right now, it's time for you to do your own fruit inspection in your own life. I would like you to do this. Would you bow your head though and close your eyes? Nobody look around for a moment. I I don't want anybody else inspecting now. I really want you to close your eyes. Nobody looking around. If you know that the fruit that has been exhibited recently in your life isn't good, it would displease the Lord. Would you be willing to just lift your hand right where you're at? Y'all be honest with us. Nobody's looking around. And I'm not trying to call you forward because you raised your hand. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave this entirely in your hands but as an act to come alongside your faith, saying, Lord, I'm I'm trusting you to help me. And I wanna, by this physical act of walking up to this altar right now, I'm trusting that you will help me. Put away the acts or actions of the flesh. And I'm dedicating myself to walking in the Spirit. Would you be willing to come forward now? who will be the first? Say, I'm willing to do that. Be an encouragement to others. Listen, I'm not trying to judge you. And I'm it's not your job to judge anybody that's walking up here right now. Not your business. It, it could just be a simple thing like envy. And you're thinking, well, I ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. If they knew what I was thinking, what I was doing just two days ago. I'll tell you even another thing. I'm not gonna lay hands on any of you, and I don't want somebody else laying hands on you. Because this is really not about what I think, what I can do, what I can give you. Because I can't give you this. I can. But I can give you over to the one who's able to accomplish what appears impossible to you. So let's pray. You release it to the Lord. Some of you are standing up here for, if you can, lift your hands up. You're yielding to the Lord. That's what, when we raise our hands, it's it's a statement. I'm yielding to you, Lord. You just cry out to him, Lord, I, I know my own weaknesses. I know the things that cause me trouble and struggle. And I simply ask you to help me, Lord. trespasses. Forgive me of the things I've done that offend you, Lord. So I repent. I repent of the evil in my own heart and in my own life. I repent of the things that I do and have done wrong. I ask you, Lord, help me to figure out how to draw close to you. Help me to know how to pray like I need to pray. How to get into your word like I must get into your word. How to attend church service more than just on an occasional Sunday here or there. Come on Sunday mornings. I'll come Wednesday nights. I'll get what I have to do. I'll come to the men's gathering on Monday nights. I'll come, I'll come for the women, women's meetings when, when they happen. I'll get out to the youth group. I'll join the young adults. God, I pray for these men and women, these young people that are in these altars, this altar right now. I pray for those that are in their living room traveling perhaps in their car right now and they're praying God give me strength like I've never known before I really do love you Jesus but the struggle has come to my doorstep and and I didn't see this coming I didn't see this temptation affecting me in the way that it has but God give me strength to never fall again to the wiles of the enemy walk down that lane I'll not view that thing I'll not listen to that thing help us Lord starting place, not an ending place. Right? It's just a, it's a starting place. It's not where you end. It's not where this ends. This is where this starts. And the way you overcome is by doing the things I've talked about throughout the message. Daily, seeking His face. Daily, getting in God's Word. Regular, out to church services. That's not a cure-all. Because there, there are people that are in every service standing at the altar even now. So it's not a cure-all. It's part of the whole picture. Of it. And it really is based in how much you love the Lord. And you give Him of your life. You give Him of your being. When Paul uses the word walk, he's talking about your lifestyle. So any of those sins that he named in that one section, verses 19 and 20, I believe it was, maybe it was 20 and 21, uh, all of those sins that he named in that section, all of them are forgivable. All of them. They're all forgivable. They're all, you can put them under the blood of Jesus. A one time commitment of one of those things that's not taking you to hell. It's walking in them. It's regularly falling to the same thing. That'll land you in hell. So ask Him to give you the strength and every day, every day. Father, I give my. And I know, listen to me. I want you guys to know a secret about all of those people sitting out there. They should be in this altar. The woman who was caught in adultery, he that it was out, sin. If, if we're not named in that passage, if we, we don't ever struggle over those things, we ain't casting those stones. We're walking away just like they did. So I'm telling you, you're in good company. Welcome to the family of God. The struggle is real, but he's an overcomer. God bless you. I love you, folks. Look forward to seeing you again. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift